Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guests here are Sean Connolly, a senior cybersecurity architect at the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency at the Homeland Security Department. Sean, always a pleasure to catch up. Thanks for taking the time. Hi, Jason. Thank you. Also joined by Matt House, the program manager for the Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation, or CDM program, also at CISA. Matt, thanks as well. It's always good to catch up with you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And of course, I'm joined by my colleague, Justin Doubleday, our senior reporter at Federal News Network. Uh, Justin, uh, I'll throw that to you as well. Uh, Glad to have you join uh, the interview. Yeah, good to be here, Jason. So we're talking a lot about kind of an update around CISA and, and some of your main programs. CDM is one, obviously, Matt's here, and, and two is, is the Trusted Internet Connections uh, 3. Sean, I was doing a little bit of research before our, our, our interview, and I realized we probably have not written about TIG 3.0 in quite a while, which is probably a good sign because that means things have hit a nice steady state and things are progressing well. No one's complaining. So let's start with, well, at least no one's complaining out loud, I should say. Let me start with some basics. What What was the latest with Tick 3? Were you all at today with it? And there's some final use cases issued earlier this year. G- give me an update. Going back to OMB's memo in 1926 on Tick 3, CISA was tasked to generate a number of use cases. Uh, these use cases would represent the different architectures that agencies are transforming to. So the different architectures are traditional Tick, which mimics what we did in Tick 2, the remote user use case a branch office use case, and a cloud and email use case. And and like you said, Jason, uh, earlier this spring, we released the cloud use case. Uh, That's the last use case that's outlined in the only memo for us to write. Culminates boy, five plus years of working with agencies on a number of pilots, of course, working close with OMB and GSA, the internal stakeholders at CISA. So it's really, uh, like I said, it's 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 been transformative. We're listening to agencies and how they are uh, using the Tick Three architectures and what it means from like where we've been with Tick Two, you know, for the last five, seven years or so. Now I've been covering Tick since the beginning, Sean. I think you know. Uh, I remember when Karen Evans rolled it out during the Bush administration. So it's been this long journey. What are you starting to hear from agencies? Uh, is it finally to the point where folks? are comfortable with it? Are they finally where they are uh, using it and it's it's not creating the latency and the concerns that we had heard for years as they moved to the cloud, as the technologies evolved, as, you know, Tick, you may not 100% agree with this, but had some struggles to keep up with the changes, how quickly the technology was changing. Have, have we passed that mark, do you feel like? So you mentioned Karen Evans. So this goes back, like you said, to the mid-2000s and OMB did a data call to the agencies asking how many internet connections they had just across their agency, how many different ways for the agency connecting the internet. And the number came back like 4,000 plus uh, internet connections. And that was way above and beyond what OMB thought, CISA thought, agencies thought, as quickly realized that we need some type of you know initiative simply just for the circuit aggregation itself, right? Those 4,000 connections collapse them down to a more manageable number. At the same time, CISA internally, we were starting to deploy our Einstein sensors. These are the, gives us visibility to the agencies as they are connecting the internet. And you know, that, that prior number, there's no way CISA would be able to, be able to manage 4,000 different sensors. So again, that, that circuit aggregation was a primary reason for the TIC initiative. But quickly it was realized, since we have 
all these circuits in these in these what we call these ticket access points, we can start to put some baseline security requirements around them. And like you mentioned, Jason, that's where we start to come up with our traditional firewall stacks with IDS sensors, firewalls, you know, taps and different ways to understand what is transitioning the network. I think we did a really good job in terms of migrating the circuits to those access points to help assist with our visibility, to help agencies get a comprehensive uh, visibility. And really at the same time, you know, you can go back to Clinger Cohen and those type of initiatives where it was for the enterprise CIO and CISO, right? And I think you've been around, you know how the enterprise CISO and CIO for a long time didn't have those authorities. And really tech was one of the first ways for those enterprise uh, CIOs to then put their level of comprehensive security uh, at the internet connection. So all these things kind of came together between helping the CIOs and CISOs gain our visibility and then the care of these baseline securities. Uh, but like you mentioned, we knew cloud was coming out. The agencies were starting to figure out how to connect in new ways, whether it was uh, remote users or to the cloud or to partner networks. And so that's where Tech 3 came about, was the effort to modernize and take advantage of uh, cybersecurity services and tools in new ways. And so over the last couple of years, uh, working with a number of pilot agencies, uh, we've been able to have agencies uh, both look at how to secure their environments better, then also new ways that CISA can gain visibility, gain awareness of the traffic that's going in and out of the agency's network. So, um, you know, one of the prime ways we see agencies uh, supporting these new networks is by moving to what's called the uh, Secure Access Service Edge or Security Service Edge, SASE slash SSE. You know, I think these are common technologies now. Agencies are looking at these just to address, you mentioned those inefficiencies. It could be user inefficiencies, it could be cost inefficiencies, computer or network complexity inefficiencies. Uh, so agencies are looking at to, to moving to these new technologies. Um, but there's a major caveat that we always try to stress. And I think sometimes it kind of gets lost as agencies are transitioning is as agencies move to these new SASE and SSE solutions, they're still required. The agencies are still required to send to us some level of visibility. And we can talk about CLAW, the cloud log, aggregation warehouse, but CLAW is part of that. As agencies migrate, they need to be making sure that they're still sending us uh, some type of uh, uh, telemetry. So you, I appreciate the kind of the background and a little bit of the history. And I think a lot of people here tick and probably don't recognize the, the long journey that CISA, that OMB, that GSA and, and folks have been on. What's the latest? What's what's happening today with TIC? Uh, I know we don't talk about it as much as we used to. It's it's kind of in that and kind of moved into the background. I think a lot of the reason why is because of those use cases, because a lot of the long time concerns, challenges have been either overcome or been reduced. What what's what are some of those latest things that you're seeing around TIC or or that this discussion around internet access points and security? No, you're exactly right in terms of. The program's been around for a long time. Uh, some of the architects I met at the agencies that are there are still the same people we talk to regularly now. You know, I've been associated with TIC for 15 plus years. I call myself a one tick pony because of you know, being with it for so long. But what we've seen in the last just few years, the momentum the agencies are taking advantage of. So, you know, one way to show this is I'm also just full disclosure, an alternate board member of the uh, Tech Modernization Fund Board, the TMF. Agencies are coming to the TF, TMF wanting to take advantage 
these modern architectures, you know, just to name a few, Department of Education, Stephen Hernandez, a CISO, uh, GSA itself, Bo Burles, a CISO there, looking at how they are taking advantage of the architectures and the, the new solutions to uh, modernize uh, their networks. Um, they both, when they came to TMF, uh, showed how they were meeting the TIC3 use cases, the cloud use case, remote user use case, the branch office use case. So, there's a number of different ways that I think we're seeing agencies take advantage of the opportunities themselves. One thing, though, I'll bring up, I think one thing that we didn't nail the messaging right on was when we released a traditional tick use cases, one of the first use cases, I think some agencies thought, oh, this is just like a re, like a uh, updating tick too. And it really wasn't meant to be. It's meant to show agencies there are other solutions that are outside of the traditional tick themselves and traditional M tips. And took a while to have agencies understand there's a greater variety of choices available to them than just the traditional tick. I think we're still trying to work with agencies uh, to have them understand the opportunities that are available now. I want to bring Matt into the discussion. Matt, one thing around tick, and, and I think this is something that that Sean mentioned as well, which is more understanding, more data, more analysis, and and the reason why agencies are able to see that is through the CDM program. And, and again, mm-hmm. TIC's been around since 2009. We've been talking about CDM since 2012. 2012. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was going through my mind, when was that contract yeah. going? So right. again, another long-term program that's seen a lot of progress. How does, you know, when you think about TIC and CDM, how do those two are fitting together and, and how has CDM kind of built off what you've learned from TIC and some of the successes about using data to drive decisions and, and, and the like? There's probably two intersections there kind of programmatically. We don't think of these these capabilities in isolation. And what a lot of what Sean's talked about with respect to kind of the evolution of the the agency network, if you will, kind of as, as a uh, generic uh, expression there, and what's available in terms of sensing capability from what we talk about with TIC or even just, just generically network boundary protection, you know, we see CDM as kind of the the platform for kind of realizing kind of the intersection of the visualization there of, of risk data associated with kind of network and boundary uh, data and uh, censoring with what's happening inside the environment with respect to host and and what's happening network sensor wise within the within the cordon of a traditional kind of like on prem environment. So so from our perspective, these are hand in glove. That's not the only relationship like that. I would argue other aspects of like Einstein and other things, it's all, they're all interrelated in that respect. And so, you know, we see CDM as as that platform for uh, disseminating that information to back to the agencies for for what we collect from a scissor perspective and what we see from a scissor perspective with the objective of being, you know, to, to provide some additional enrichment and insight for the agency operators for some of what we can uniquely see, either because of the technology in the stack involved or the implementation model, like a centralized implementation model, so to speak, like what Einstein has been in the past, or because we have unique insight given our role as kind of the operational lead across the FSEB, being able to kind of see across organizational boundaries. The idea of being able to see across uh, boundaries, I think that's been a common theme from all of these programs, whether we're talking TIC or CDM, and you mentioned Einstein, which we, we will hopefully get to a little bit as part of this conversation. But, but TIC really has opened the door to bringing that data. 
how is CDM using, whether it's, uh, let's start with uh, some of the data that can come from a trusted internet connection or come from some of those use cases. Are you, are you taking them that data in today? And, and is that helping to populate with other sensors, the CDM dashboard, whether at the agency level or at the federal level? Broadly speaking, no, we're not. But you're starting to pull at a thread that really kind of gets at you know, much of what's changing as we speak. If I can go back to Einstein again, right? You know, Einstein and Tick are very, very have this very symbiotic relationship, of course. You know, much of what we're doing in terms of trying to evaluate where we want to go forward in an era where we probably won't, you know, for, for much longer have Einstein the way it is today, right? Like some of the E3A services of, you know, like think sinkholing have already uh, transitioned over. Um, to the next-gen service of protected DNS, for example. You know, it's prompted us to kind of reinvigorate an analysis internally on, you know, what does is, what is a modernized network sensing capability mean for us, CISA? What does it mean in the context of an agency that's got, like to what Sean had mentioned, like in an era of TIC 3.0, where it's, it's not all on-prem, there's mobile devices, there's, you know, people working in hybrid state, there's a lot of stuff living natively in the cloud, right? You know, there is no kind of single boundary anymore. What does network sensing look like in that context? With, with the expectation that as we start to understand better what we think we need, in, in that realm, that'll be something that we wire directly in as a first-class set of data sources into CDM. Sean, Matt, on that note, let's take a quick break. We come back, we'll continue our conversation. My guests today are Sean Connolly, a senior cybersecurity architect at CISA, and Matt House, the program manager for the CDM program, also at CISA. I'm also joined by Justin Doubleday, my colleague at Federal News Network. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests are Sean Connolly, a senior cybersecurity architect at the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency at the Homeland Security Department, and Matt House, the program manager for the Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation Program, also at CISA. I'm also joined by my colleague, Justin Doubleday. Sean, if you want to talk a little bit about more Einstein tick and then where you're going next, and since Matt, you brought it up, what are some? what is that thinking today? What is going on around analysis? What's going on around planning for moving, again, toward the next generation of services around network and and sensing? Like Matt was talking about, you're starting to see a collapse, if you will, of these different programs. We've had CDM program for a long time. We've had Einstein program for a long time. Einstein, like Matt was saying, was more focused on the perimeter, CDM more, the internal networks and gaining visibility towards what's going on within the agency's networks themselves. But now you're starting to see more of a comprehensive yet collapse solution. We're starting to focus on some of the same areas as we go towards zero trust. One thing with Einstein just having to work with the agencies, a lot of agencies look at Einstein's mainly those physical sensors that are uh, installed at the agency's tick themselves. That's what they're primarily familiar with is here are the servers that we install in their uh, data racks. But really, that's really just the tip of the iceberg. Majority of the effort toward NCPS and Einstein is once the traffic is back within CISA, the data collection that goes on within the agencies, the cleaning of the data, the analysis of the data, that's where the majority of the effort takes point. And, and like you mentioned, there's uh, there have been traditional ways that CISA has allowed agencies to view their E1 type traffic and give some type of dashboard. But ideally, what you're seeing uh, CDM move forward, the CDM dashboard is going to be much richer, much better ways for both the agency 
Amber system to have awareness of what's going on within their networks. And Matt, same thing for you as you see the evolution of Einstein and, and, and CDM. What, what, where are we at with this kind of next generation of analysis? Are you starting to, what's the planning look like? Can you give me any sort of insights? You know, I mentioned a couple of minutes ago uh, in terms of sinkholing from E3A having moved over to protected DNS from an E1 and E2 perspective. So, you know, largely NetFlow and IDS. Uh, respectively. We're in the process of doing some uh, alternatives analysis and kind of refreshing of our uh, functional requirements, doing doing a, a fairly deep dive evaluation of, of the existing kind of solution, what we think our, our real operational you know, con- requirements and strength constraints are to drive kind of a, a, a more modernized uh, set of requirements, as well as some some market research we're doing on that front. Um, we had an RFI we released on that topic to get some input from industry on that, on a wide range of topics that are all broadly modernized network sensor capabilities. I, I would see that you know that effort's going to continue through much of FY24, and we're going to consider things like, from from our from my perspective at least. All of these, you know, we've, we've, we've grown up to the extent that all of these programs are really driving us towards different facets of the same thing, which is having, you know, comprehensive operational visibility. Uh, and, and so I foresee that from a CDM perspective, where we'll go is uh, some integration of this modernized network sensor capability directly into CDM as an element to kind of what the CDM program can bring to the table from a network pillar perspective in in aiding agencies, you know, you know, journey along for zero trust, right? So, so I think that the lines are going to blur a lot more between what is traditionally NCPS Einstein or what is traditionally CDM, like, you know, I agree with Sean, you know, it used to be kind of what's happening on the border or just outside versus what's happening inside, right? It's operational visibility. That's what we care about now. And we don't care necessarily you know, about that demarcation as much when we start to think about how these things need to roll up into a comprehensive view for agencies and for CISA. Hey, Justin here, if I can just jump in. Uh, since we've been talking a lot about data and analytics, I'd love to learn a little bit more from both of you just about how you're thinking about this new cyber analytics and data system that CISA has been talking about that they put out a plan for and the budget this year. You know, if I could start with Matt and then go to Sean, just if you can give us any insights into the conversation around how that CADS program comes together and kind of marries up with your respective efforts so far. I can probably speak to the latter part and I'll defer to Sean on the former part there. There's a lot of discussion that happens on a very transactional level amongst all of our separate teams here with respect to CADS and CDM in particular, a lot of discussion about understanding some of the ways to streamline what we collect, which is unique, of course, can be uh, leveraged by CADS in, in terms of backhauling some of that that unique operational visibility data that we have, and then vice versa. As there are new products and uh, of value and interest to agencies, how we can then uh, ingest that output from CADS and deliver right back down to the agencies. So from us, it's 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 fairly oriented on publisher, subscriber, subscriber, publisher kind of conversations right now at an architectural level. But I'll, I'll defer to Sean on some of the bigger, bigger uh, elements of that, that question on CADS. No, I think, Matt, I think you're spot on. You know, I mentioned before the iceberg, right, with Einstein and uh, what's below the water there. CADS is really what we're talking about. We talk about the greater 
effort. So, you know, as we see this this telemetry, this data and all this different type of data versus what we may have had in the traditional Einstein sensors and uh, also absorbing what uh, CDM is bringing in-house, it's to make the best use of this data. We know we need an operating environment that is interoperable with many types of different data sets. It has a diverse set of input and output requirements. Uh, so we had to you know, be able to consume this mass amount of data uh, and all to the same time, we have different levels of threat intelligence that we need to consider. So all of this, we need to take a review of to how we're going to be able to reliably and build an adaptable service that meets both, both the agency's uh, requirements in terms of situational awareness and then the governance questions always come at us from, you know, from the Hill or from others about how we are providing that value to the agencies. But it's, it's an, and ideally just going to be you know, our version of how we are modernizing a scalable, unclassified, I want to stress, analytic infrastructure for CISA's uh, cybersecurity operators. And any initial steps that CISA is taking to get that data that it needs to, I don't know if that requires changing any sort of agreements that you have with agencies, with industry, what have you, and any initial steps or thoughts there? From the agency perspective, we have what we need, frankly, uh, in terms of memorandum of agreements with what we had put in place following Executive Order 14028, what we call our MOA 2.0 for CDM. That gives us sufficient flexibility to leverage our data sets collected for CADS purposes. So we're good there. And we, we had that for, foresight. The team at the time had that foresight to, um, to kind of carve that out appropriately. I think one thing you're seeing with us, I mentioned CLAW before, the Cloud Log Aggregation Warehouse. Uh, again, as we ingest this wider range of telemetry, uh, we're kind of slowly but surely moving up the, the tech stack. And what I mean by that is beginning with CLAW, kind of emulate E1, E2 types of telemetry, the net flow type of telemetry, the traditional network telemetry, but we're moving up that tech stack. So now you're seeing us taking a wider range of telemetry that may be more from cloud native solutions, you know, AWS, Microsoft, uh, Google, and then we're also starting to ingest identity type of logs. And that's a mm-hmm. that's a real change from where we've been the last 10 years with more IP addresses and sort of, you know, the traditional TCP IP stack. So again, as as we ingest this type of data, it's it's new training for our threat analysts, understanding with again, uh, enriching it with threat intelligence feeds that are maybe different than what we had before. All this is a being used internally to have a better awareness in new contexts, new ways than we've had before. Sean, Matt, on that note, let's take a quick break. We come back, we'll continue our conversation. My guests today are Sean Connolly, a senior cybersecurity architect at CISA, and Matt House, the program manager for the CDM program, also at CISA. I'm also joined by Justin Doubleday, my colleague at Federal News Network. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests are Sean Connolly, a senior cybersecurity architect at the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency at the Homeland Security Department, and Matt House, the program manager for the Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation Program, also at CISA. I'm also joined by my colleague, Justin Doubleday. I want to go back to uh, something you said as well. Matt, when you talked about you put the RFI out, imagine you've gotten responses back. What are some of those next steps as you head into fiscal 2024 with that data what do you see as, as potential to come from that RFI, to come mm-hmm. from 
you know, what, what is next on your agenda over the next, you know, again, six, nine months in, in this area? So talking in particular about the RFI associated with the network modernization, sensor modernization stuff, we have gotten lots of good feedback. We, you know, the team has reviewed a lot of that. And I think where we are is in the process of trying to understand just some reconciliation in terms of what some of our operational counterparts within CISA, you know, threat hunters, uh, for example, you know, what they need and what they want and what what, are, what is going to be the, the the right balance with cost, with complexity, with time to deliver, those kinds of things. So I think what you'll see uh, or what we'll do um, over the, the course of this fiscal year is a lot more uh, lab-based or kind of practical analysis and kind of hands-on evaluation of some candidate solutions to evaluate efficacy, how flexible they are in meeting some of our requirements and kind of hedging our bets, so to speak, on, on emerging requirements that are not necessarily fully codified. Uh, a lot of that work will happen in FY24. And just to clarify, because I to make your life hopefully a little bit easier, I know vendors sure. obviously listen to the show. Uh, are you talking about RFPs? Are you talking about specific invites that maybe you're looking for a specific type of technology, almost like a broad agency announcement where you'll put out some sort of call for technologies that meet this box, right? Whatever. We're not even, you're, are you not even that far yet? I would say we're not that far yet. So still, you know, I, I can't say no to any of the potential scenarios you mentioned, right? I think everything's on the table right now. Still, still digesting. And fr- we just, we have that much to do internally in terms of reconciling a mentality or a desire, which I fully understand and support of, I want to capture everything for all time for everybody because I might need it, right? Versus the, you know, we, we, we have to be a little bit more pragmatic on storage costs and complexity and, you know, what do agencies already have in place today? You know, those kinds of things. So a lot of it's still on us internally before we're, we're ready to, we'll be ready to re-engage. I appreciate that. I think uh, trying to save you those emails and, Thank and those you. calls that will come <laughs> saying, I heard you said this. I want to also go back to something else said. Uh, Matt, you mentioned E1 and E2 doing some alternative analysis. You mentioned the RFI. Is there anything update you can give us on E3 and, and that data? I think Sean mentioned Einstein 3 earlier in our discussion too. Is, is what comes next for E3 anything you're able to uh, offer on that? So E3A was primarily two capabilities, DNS sinkholing and protective email service or email filtering. So DNS sinkholing already transitioned over successfully to the protective DNS capability uh, that is continuing to roll out. Very successful. I think it's, it's, it's working at scale the way we had intended. I think there's still more discussion going on internally with respect to what the what the trajectory is for transitioning a mail filtering capability. Um, the reality is uh, a lot of agencies have capability natively. Um, so, you know, I think generally, and I'll for, foreshadow some of the answers I'm gonna give to questions you haven't asked on CDM yet. I think that, you know, we're, we're gonna wanna make sure that we're being thoughtful about filling gaps as opposed to, uh, you know, kind of reintroducing duplicative capabilities that are compulsorily kind of, uh, you know, deployed. I think also just one thing, the Einstein brand names have been around for 10 plus years now. You can kind of hear us, we're kind of stepping away maybe from some of those brand terms themselves. And to your point, Jason, it's more, you know, what are, what are the services doing before? What are we trying to do now with them? So you heard Matt talk about how it's no longer E3A DNS, it's protected DNS service. And they're trying to have some of those services names reflect uh, what we're trying to uh, uh, secure. 
Matt, you brought up this idea of uh, CDM and, and let's maybe just jump into that part of it. A lot of priorities. I know your boss told Justin earlier this year uh, about some changes, a new era, a new focus of CDM, kind of looking at, at you know where it's going next. Where are you at with kind of making it more operational? You mentioned that idea of this idea of operational several times in our conversation already today. Where is CDM heading as we go further into 24? Broadly speaking, I think it probably falls into, let's say, two or three buckets. First bucket will be, you know, continued evolution of capability implementation and development. Second piece is that kind of operationalization of of working with agencies to fully, to ensure that they're fully getting the value out of what's already available which is, you know, uh, non-trivial in terms of that value. I think it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty significant, but it's also a non-trivial kind of change management effort across, across the FSEB, 100, 101 agencies that we work with, you know, as of now. And then third piece is, you know, some, some internal stuff that, you know, relates to some of just how we're transitioning some of our, our uh, as-is contracting, right? That, that's, non, that's non-trivial in terms of the amount of work we have to do behind the scenes. Those are kind of the three broad areas of priority for us. As far as, you know, the first bucket there of capability implementation and kind of continuing that, for us, priorities for the fiscal year 24 include getting to the point where, and we're close, on declaring um, our asset management efforts related to traditional endpoints of servers, workstations, laptops, desktops, those things, getting that to complete. We're very close there, but we recognize that asset management as a family of capabilities, we're not done yet, right? So we're, we're about halfway through on mobile asset class uh, work. So that's going to continue hot and heavy this, this fiscal year. We began some pilots on some of that similar capability for cloud assets in 23. And so in 24, we expect to continue to ramp that up. That you know, so that's a that's another broad class of assets that we want to bring under under management and under visibility, if you will. We'll probably start some work as well. We started some in in fiscal twenty three, but we'll we'll continue some work on, on the earlier end of that spectrum for IoT devices as well. So from an asset management perspective, broadly, it's it's those it's starting to tackle those or continuing to tackle those other asset classes. That the the path and timeline will vary you know, as you think across those different in terms of what, what that's going to look like. But our, our objective is the same for all, which is to have parity in terms of visibility and as much as, you know, semantically that makes sense, just knowing full well that those are different kinds of ecosystems and different kinds of technical challenges in some cases. Another major effort for us in 24 is to kind of, to the, the big push with EDR is to, you know, get Everything we're doing from a coverage perspective on gap filling with agencies completed in 24, I'm confident we'll get we'll get that all accomplished or very very close to completed, uh, provided you know there aren't any any major new gaps identified. The other thing that we're doing now that's pretty exciting, probably the single most significant effort that we're going to undertake this this fiscal year is uh, enabling what we call PAC or persistent access capability through EDR which is the unique capability that we'll have in CISA to be able to have our threat hunters and cyber analysts have visibility across the EDR implementations in the FSEB. And, and that's super transformative in terms of, of what we can bring to bear 
in terms of being the force multiplier for agencies um, from a cyber defense and cyber response perspective. And it's actually a very straightforward, easy thing for us to enable from a technical perspective, provided you know agencies have hit effectively have hit critical mass on EDR implementation. So this is the crescendo to everything we've been doing on EDR going back to 21 when with things first really spun up with the executive order. Uh, so that's a big area of focus for us. It involves coordination not just with each of the agencies, but with the vendors that that that. Uh, agencies and CISA are working with on the EDR front. It involves, you know, collaboration with some of our counterparts on the operational side within CISA. So major, major focus for us this calendar or this fiscal year as well. Jason, I was going to jump or, in, Matt, on, on yeah, one thing real ahead. quick before, because yeah. I know there's a lot there. The one thing you mentioned was IoT devices. And then one big concern I've heard over the years is, is how is CDM going to address that big challenge, right? Because mm-hmm. For a while, it was very focused on the network and the t- traditional uh, computer devices, yep. laptops, yep. desktops. This is a major lift for you, collecting the data from that. You mentioned some pilots and some further pilots. Can you talk anything more about what, what that's going to look like, how that effort's going to work? Fundamentally, these devices, they're not radically different than some of our traditional endpoints, but they, you know, there's a, a, there's a much greater breadth of of implementation and quirkiness, if you will, to some of these devices. So, you know, where we are now is evaluating some of those products that have been introduced into the market in the past few years that are are a little bit more purpose-built and tuned for dealing with sensing on IoT devices. Traditional endpoints, it's more straightforward when we can do things like deploy an agent and that agent can run locally on that device and kind of sense all of the needs to report back with IoT with some of these other things that we need to to uh, report on and ensure we have visibility to in the network, you know, that's a little bit more like remote sensing. So there's some technical nuance there that we're trying to isolate through the use of, uh, you know, maybe some purpose-built tools. And so that's what we'll be focusing in 24s, understanding what what the market currently can offer with respect to some of that capability um, and, and starting to kind of proof that out. Yeah, yeah, hey, Matt. I think you were going to mention some some more CDM efforts for Jason Small, but I just wanted to make sure we hadn't missed anything on what's coming ahead with with the program. Yeah, so uh, I mean, I could spend another four hours probably talking about what's what's coming at a high level. Other notable things that I'm super excited about: uh, we've gotten to a really good place with the dashboard in terms of capability and kind of real operational value. So a push for us this fiscal year is to get more agencies onboarded into our hosted version of dashboard what we call dashboard as a service or dbas um, it takes away some of the com- you know the complexity and uh, costs and concerns that agencies have of running their own instance of their agency dashboard we'll host it for them and it allows for a lot more kind of economies of scale for us you know that i think uh give us and the agencies the best of both worlds we'll foot the bill we kind of realize some economies of scale. The agency has the same experience, if not better, because some of the configuration management stuff works a lot better when we're just doing it once for end tenants, as opposed to each you know each agency having to run their own change control process. That's a push for us this year. Um, you know the 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 neon light of you know open for services is lit. We're ready to go on that. Other things from a dashboard perspective, I'm excited about, like uh, what we just did with our last release in fiscal year 23, version six of the dashboard, we turned on some capability related to automating some FISMA metrics reporting. 
Uh, we're just starting to do that. I think we've got a couple toes in that in that pool now, and uh, we will be continuing to expand that during 24. So that's going to become big area of emphasis for us because it's relatively low lift for us. It's relatively low comp- complexity and, and risk, and I think pretty much you know 10 out of 10 citizens would agree it, it adds a lot of value right in terms of you know getting out of the manual quarterly reporting cycle for not everything but for some metrics that are ready for automation that's exciting for us because that's going to drive that whole second bucket that I was talking about of priorities of operationalization you know get us getting those capabilities further further fielded through the dashboard means that we're going to be driving a lot more operationalization of the dashboard for agency operators. And so that that's a big thing for us that we're pretty excited about. And then the last thing I'll mention as far as, you know, kind of operationalization, we're talking about PAC being, you know, kind of a major push for us. We see that as part of the operationalization effort of, of what we're doing. The FISMA reporting as well. We also have now with this with this last version, latest version of the dashboard, we have the ability to do kind of what all crudely use the analogy of as uh, over-the-air updates to, to dashboard. And so now what we can do is we can very quickly push content updates. And so what we're going to be doing a lot more this year uh, of is uh, pushing out content updates that have no security impact to agency dashboards. So they don't need to go through a rigorous agency-based code review or kind of, you know, security review. We can kind of push these things out. And, you know, when we have, you know, the vulnerability of the week, right? You know, the the latest, greatest vulnerability comes out that everybody's got to jump on, you know, the latest Kev, what have you. We can build, and we do now, build purpose-built dashboard visualizations in in, um, the federal dashboard, and we can push those out to the agency dashboards to give agencies that that very timely heads up display of, you know, how to how to go kill the monster of the week, right? And and that's a big thing for us because it's leveraging again capability that we built um, that we'll want to continue to kind of uh, maximize to really drive operationally operational use of the dashboard um, at the agency level. Sean, Matt, on that note, let's take a quick break. We come back, we'll continue our conversation. My guests today are Sean Connolly, a senior cybersecurity architect at CISA. And Matt House, the program manager for the CDM program, also at CISA. I'm also joined by Justin Doubleday, my colleague at Federal News Network. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests are Sean Connolly, a senior cybersecurity architect at the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency at the Homeland Security Department. And Matt House, the program manager for the Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation Program, also at CISA. I'm also joined by my colleague, Justin Doubleday. Matt, want to just go back to one thing as well uh, Mm -hmm. around the FISMA metrics that you brought up. Are you able to tell us which metrics that will be potentially be automated or? or, or... I couldn't even tell you which ones we did in 23, just because I forget the numbers. But uh, we are still in discussion, consulting with OMB for what's happening for 24. We provided our input to that. Um, So I couldn't, if if I tried, remember which ones were which. But, you know, generally... It's it's around you know device counts right it's it's around some of that kind of uh, stuff that, that that we have the most robust data sets on that that we're going to be f- looking to f- to focus our automation on that and and some of the vulnerability data. I appreciate that. I know that's one of those things that folks uh, over the years talked about the getting out of that Excel spreadsheet and manual yes. counts and data calls and if you could automate even ten percent or twenty percent that time saver is I think uh, w- well recognized. 
there's a lot there to talk to the the operational piece to let let me go back just to to one thing that you said you said get more folks on the kind of get more value out of it you're working with over 100 agencies mm-hmm. um and then some of the contracting stuff should should we expect changes to the contracting approach to CDM at all are there new acquisitions right now you've used the groups and you've used the the kind of main lead systems integrator for a lack of a better word uh, mm-hmm. Are there any changes coming in that sense that, that you can speak to? I can speak to the fact that we we have released a couple RFIs within the past 12 months related to some of our uh, initial sets of requirements in what we had termed uh, data services and what we had termed deployment services. So good feedback from industry broadly on both those uh, RFIs. And I would say that that transmits an intention for us to kind of do some things a little differently than we have done traditionally on CDM up to, up to date. Uh, more than that, probably can't get into right now. Either it's it's cooking or, you know, we, we're still trying to work on that behind the scenes. But yeah, I expect that we're, we're going to be making some changes because it, in reality, you know, we've got a lot of this foundational stuff in place. It's time to start, you know, cooking with gas on some of this as opposed to just trying to trying to work the same way we had just to get to this point, which is why it's so exciting for us that we're, you know, we're, we think we're setting things up for operational use much, much uh, more effectively now that we've reached, you know, the level of relative capability and maturity to date. We've talked CDM, we've talked Einstein a bit, we've talked Tick. All of this kind of falls under that big umbrella of zero trust. So we can't leave a, a conversation without talking about how this all fits together to, to kind of meet those uh, zero trust goals that the administration has laid out. Sean, I don't know, you you spent a lot of time with the zero trust pillars and developing the strategy and, and the implement and, and some of that effort. How are you seeing all this fits together to kind of help agencies propel them toward the, the ultimate goal? Like you said, this is, and you can hear, I think, the enthusiasm in Matt's voice with some of where we are going, both internally with CDM, it also fits well with where we're watching the agencies as they modernize their solutions. So you're looking at the trends in terms of agencies' networks becoming more distributed, more encrypted. Some networks, some systems are becoming more ephemeral. All these things we need to account for as we develop these new solutions. We are out of time for today, so let me thank my guests. Sean Connolly is a senior cybersecurity architect at the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency at the Homeland Security Department. Sean, always a pleasure to catch up. Thank you, Jason. And Matt House is the program manager for the Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation Program, also at CISA. Matt, always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. It was my pleasure. Thank you. And I'll thank my uh, colleague, Justin Doubleday, as well, for joining me on this interview. Thank you, Justin. Thanks for letting me join, and thanks to Matt and Sean. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. 